right, share. Earth to share. Come in, share. Miss <laughs> oh Stoger, I would just like to say that physical education in this school is a disgrace. I mean, standing in line for 40 minutes is hardly aerobically effective. I doubt I've worked off the calories in a stick of carefree gum. Well, you certainly exercise your mouth, Cher. Now hit the ball. Ms. Stoger, that machine is just a lawsuit waiting to happen. Thanks for the legal advice. Dion, you're up. Oh, no, Ms. Stoger, I have a note from my tennis instructor, and he would prefer it if I didn't expose myself to any training that might derail his teachings. Fine. Amber? Miss Stoger, my plastic surgeon doesn't want me doing any activity where balls fly at my nose. Well, there goes your social life. <laughs> so welcome to Marcus Plate. The movie podcast about a, a single movie podcast. Movie Singular. Podcast. <laughs> Singular this movie one, part. Usually just the one that you're listening to. That's we'll it. get to the other one eventually. Yeah, eventually. I guess we'll get there. We'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do. But welcome back, Michael. Here we are talking about... Uh, so I've got a little nostalgia trip for you here. Okay. Um, I'm a little bit older than you, but... Uh, a couple decades. You're, you're in your 40s now. You're a 40-year-old man, aren't you? Which means you're, you're, you're almost there. You know, if you can just get in before they uh, cancel Social Security... <laughs> <laughs> well, almost made it. What the hell's the difference? They'll keep printing money just like we're doing it now. What's the difference? I I like that idea. I could I could use. There's a new iPhone coming out. Isn't that what all Republicans accuse people of spending government money on? I'll take iPhones? it. I need yeah. one. I'm, I'm still in this crusty old iPhone eight, man. I got to get up. By the time this is released, it's probably already out. But I'm pretty excited about the iPhone Mini. Have you seen this? No. That's a, a return to, to normal size phones, but they're like putting all the new shit in. I bought. I have consistently bought the smallest one available, and it's smaller than that. So smaller I'm, I'm excited. than the eight. It's yeah. the little one. It's my hands but it's, like that. But it's gonna be all screen. Ooh, I like that. My wife uh, likes it bigger. She Clueless. actually refuses to get rid of the, <laughs> the the big six. You know, it's like like halfway to being an iPad Mini. She loves it big. <laughs> On that note, let's go down the trip on, on memory lane here, buddy. Uh, Did you have a podcast you want to introduce on that? <laughs> not yet. Let's let's talk about the movie that's going to kick off our nostalgia trip. Okay. So you know, I was talking about how much uh, how we're. I would say you, you're a kid of the '90s, right? You your formative years still in the '90s, right? You're a '90s. Yeah, so kid. what is that rule? Is it uh, is it like preteens? What what are people talking about when they they do these memes? Because um, you know my my childhood as far as like. You know, running around like throwing boogers at people and all of that stuff. Those hijinks would be eighties. Talking about when I'm like a child. Same, same for me. But you know, getting into my teenage years, uh, definitely mid to late nineties is my you know middle school, high school experience. So I, I don't know. What, uh, what year both? did you graduate? Two thousand one. Okay, I graduated ninety four. So I'm so a little bit cons- older. So you're children of what then? I'm still. I think I guess like picking boogers. I was still picking boogers all the way up until I graduated. So no, I'm, I would say I'm still a child of the '90s because I mean, uh, I mean, I gra- well, I, I graduated high school. I was 16 years old. Um, I was what? a nerdy kid. I was a nerdy kid. 
God, this is where all that like can't buy me love stuff comes in. All that <clears throat> the, the personal why, why I was getting beat up and pushed around. Tragedy. And that sort of, uh, I, I guess my assumption, the way I've operated, is that uh, uh, you know it's the stuff when you're a teenager that sticks with you in pop culture. That's probably where your like musical taste develops. Like, because when I was a kid, I probably just, just whatever was on the radio. Like, I didn't have discerning taste, but like when you can actively sort of start to acquire your own musical library and you want to like right. impress people in your car like that you're driving them around in going on dates i would say that's you're a child of with the teen okay. years then that's so, where yes. i'm at right so you know those years um but the 90s is like kind of an interesting time right i mean uh I, I, and i don't know how we look at it nostalgically or whatever it's just like this gobbledygook of a time i guess the 80s sort of were that way as well um where i think the further away we get from things we have these like eras that you can clearly define, right? The sixties mm. and the seventies and all that stuff. But like the eighties and particularly for me, the nineties, it feels like everything is in neon. Like that's the way I view it. It's just everything is in fucking neon for the nineties. So Certainly in this about, movie, for sure. Yes, absolutely. So I was thinking about movies that are time capsules, right? Like clueless to me is the movie that if I say like define the nineties and you want to see kind of, Sort of what it felt like. You would look at uh, Clueless. Well, I, I, well, okay. <laughs> I guess what it looked. I don't know. Clueless. Just you can't put Clueless in any other era. No. Um, I mean, they, you know, it's certainly riffing off of Emma, so it's got the the classic sort of archetypes. I mean, you can you can pull the like you know, the popular girl and the uh, I guess the little like punk kid that's like sort of passed over. Was Breck and Meyer here? Um, Still being passed over. Yeah, Famke Jansen is you know picking him up (laughs) (laughs) so he can reach things off shelves, that sort of thing. Um, But when you said this has the look of the '90s, uh, it's also like, and it's knowingly very specific. It's like uh, who its target of its jokes are, uh, which is the um, the the well-to-do, the privileged, is the uh, kids of the whatever this generation Beverly is. Hills or whatever they were living to, you know? And there's a little bit of that with the, uh, Brittany Murphy, uh, character, uh, which that's the time capsule element for me is Brittany Murphy was my, that was, that was my, my girl that was in high school. And it didn't start with really? Clueless. Well, when Clueless came out, I was, uh, I was like in sixth grade. So I was, I was still looking up at these characters, uh, which we defining, talked about. Defining defining Michael Denniston here, the way he likes his ladies. <laughs> Still looking uh, at them. looked pretty tall. You know, she's always wearing heels, so I don't think she's like an extremely tall lady, but uh, certainly to like 12 year old, uh, she looked tall. Um, so, yeah, the Brittany I'm Murphy. I'm kind of getting thing. into the psychology of Michael Denniston. Like, he wants to always be the, the young boy being picked up and loved on. Is that what we're doing? I mean, we're, we're not. You're actually taking me away from my, my <laughs> tall wife. <laughs> Who could do just that right now? Uh, but I was I was only like pausing because I didn't find anything disagreeable yet. <laughs> I was reflecting uh, on this truth, and I'm like, yes, that's that's probably accurate. Going I just want to put it out there because uh, I do believe Brittany Murphy probably. Uh, I think she was the only legitimate um, teenager, maybe when this was filmed. Really? Um, okay. She was. Um, like 17, maybe. Um, yeah, she was born in 77. So, um, 
I'm trying to stay away from like you know now that that sort of the creep vibe like so that's why I'm I'm putting the the facts on the line here that I was 12 looking up at, at these older high school students and what high school could be like, but I never had that belief because we're looking at the rich in California uh, and certainly in Kentucky uh, you're looking at these creatures as if they're they're aliens on another planet as far as how their high school experience is going to be uh versus something like even your favorite can't buy me love for the guy you know has the means to uh to buy himself a high school prostitute that's wow wow the slander (laughs) i like high school i liked it a lot and that's that's part of the truth that's part of my truth i liked it a a transactional lady prostitute that's you know she okay. couldn't have been to selling a service you know it's kind of like uh like a friend finder man just wow so nope. the more prostitute pg version of that uh would be i guess the share character alicia silverstone is playing where she is tasking herself with making everyone around her happy making mm-hmm. those love connections even with the disgusting uh teachers um what she seems thrilled uh knowing that they are fucking somewhere uh and i still find disturbing i'm pretty sure i found that a little disturbing as a child isn't it uh, the guy from uh from princess bride the little short bald guy yeah that gets poisoned uh yeah, yeah. So, i mean I, I will say that amy heckerling i like that she uses uh the same sort of uh supporting cast she'll put some of these uh these actors in the background they'll always have reoccurring parts um I, I've, I've gone through different phases with this movie, man. I think when I was younger, I probably didn't like it as much as I do now. Um, I, I think because when you're dealing with people like this or you have a fear that you're about to enter like the, the high school, uh, I guess, political scene, um, you kind of alluded to a little bit in our Can't Buy Me Love episode. Uh, this made me feel a little nervous going into this, that <laughs> there was going to be a share-like character who's moving people around like chess pieces on the board, and people don't seem to know the big picture of, of what she's doing, and there's, you know, there's some backlash here. Mainly with the Brittany Murphy character, she kind of creates a little monster for like a, you know, 10-minute stretch before they make up. Yeah, I'm not a really big... Well, you know what's interesting about this movie is you you kind of started to go you kind of took me down this path with some of your comments in the beginning in my head is that th- this is nothing like what I what I lived through right I'm assuming you, Michael Dennison didn't have the Beverly Hills High School where he had like a did you have like a rotating closet that picked out your clothes every day No, um, and you know I, I said before I think I said on that our high school episode, as you themed it, that we actually, you know, Hollywood had trained me to fear this battleground of high school on being Mm. like in or out. And where I grew up in a very small town, everybody already knew each other. So there really weren't those like daily battles to like sort of elevate yourself in the eyes of others. So it was actually very tame. So I was very nervous as a 12 year old and I probably shouldn't have been because it didn't turn out that way. Um, But no, I don't think this is, even if you grew up in LA, I highly doubt that this was reflective of your high right. school experience at all. It's it's you know it's it's very broad comedy. Yeah, but for some reason, it's still for me personally, it really resonates the '90s. Like it, even though I don't have a connection at almost at all to any of these people, you know, even Breck and Meyer or even ugly Brittany Murphy in the beginning, because of course you make her beautiful by throwing money and makeup at her. Um, <laughs> Because that's the way you do it, of course. <laughs> um, 
I, there for some reason this is still to me a time capsule for whatever maybe it's the, the sort of the fashion that was seeing on the tv at the time the music ska i'm sure michael had a bunch of ska tapes well that was a very brief like thing like, like it, it may have been done by the time clueless even came out um yeah very strange like you know it's i think if you it was interesting you were talking about if you like live through something how you don't have like perspective on it and uh i i remember at the time like i remember being in high school thinking like god music fucking sucks like i <laughs> like i hate this era i live in because uh, when I'm I'm going to high school, it's like uh, like Limp Biscuits and Corn. It's like that type of rock rap thing mm. that's happening. It's a bunch of white guys like screaming and then attempting to rap. Yeah, and it was the boy bands, and I was like, yeah. Jesus Christ! Like, I, but it, it's you're just always slightly off. And I was thinking like the early '90s. Now that was you know because that was the bands I liked. It was Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins and stuff that has stuck around. Um, I have to admit, though, like, because it happens to all of us, I think, unless you're, you know, a poser on Twitter trying to look like you're in your early 20s when you're you're 40. I you, might be offended by that. Who's that? I'm offended by that. You're, okay. Well, I, di- I didn't know that you tweeted that often or attempted to <laughs> keep up with uh, you know, what the kids are listening to. No, just Boston Celtics memes. That was, yeah, first off, when this episode comes out no one will even know what the hell you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) not topical in the slightest uh and second very hurtful to me personally that i have to like experience it now and experience it later when i'm one of our few listeners but i understand what you're saying about it being that time capsule like and why i probably didn't like clueless as much then as i do now is because now i can go back and like you you make fun of ska for instance like when i lived through it i'm like jesus christ yeah (laughs) can we just get this out of the way and now i'm like now that i know it was just a brief thing that happened there's a certain pleasure in this movie being that specific to that moment yes exactly that i enjoy now and i didn't enjoy it when i was living through it okay so this brings me to uh, you know because there there are tons of movies just like this right tons of movies that that sort of drop you into a time frame but i'm for this particular podcast, I'm just focusing on um, on the 90s, right? Because, as we alluded to, we're 90s kids. Um, Some of us still throwing boogers at other people as they graduate, like, what, I, three or four grades in advance? It happens. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I want to talk about Empire Records. So I, uh, I found... If I, we I must. Found, I found this podcast... Uh, called Was This Always Weird? Oh, I so, like this already. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a podcast that explores the unusual things about great movies. So they're talking about Empire Records. During this movie, I was like, oh, this is just the breakfast club in a record store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have that same uh, realization when you were watching that? No. The first but, time? Yeah. No, you're right, though. It's just a bunch of different people. Excuse me. I like it because I feel like they're written in a way that... Like, I, I believe these people. Like, I like this movie. I like that there is a big thing going on, but we still see all these small interactions mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, yeah, so that's a good way to look at it. Did you have any other Breakfast Club connections, or did that inspire it, more thought? Yeah, that was kind of like the premise, or like the pitch, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah, yeah, I could see it. Just like Breakfast Club in a record store. Originally, it was supposed to be two days. They shrank it down to one day. Thanks, IMDb Trivia. 
And can we pause for a second to talk about record stores? <laughs> yes, yes, we can. Just like owning a physical thing makes you care about it more, I think. Like just ha- being able to like hold it and be like, I had to give yeah. up my money for this shit. That's true. I don't give a fuck about my MP3s, man. Oh man, I have so many. <laughs> the guys, the guy makes a good point. That says that this is just Breakfast Club in the record store, and I never yeah. thought about it that way. Yeah, but like a shittier version, obviously, because we both hate this movie. Yes, I, I, I hate it. Right, um, I have always hated it. That has not changed. Unlike Clueless, but there is a interesting point that they make where they're talking about how. There are touch like the way they talk about record stores because obviously this is taking the record store. It connects you to like that physical media time frame. It it almost transports you to the time where you'd go to Blockbuster and like spend. I would spend like an hour trying to figure out what I wanted to watch. It's almost like what I do with Netflix now. You know, instead of you know laying in my bed naked scrolling, I would walk around Blockbuster. Let me interrupt you for a second, sir. Thankfully. (laughs) <laughs> you, you weren't doing it the same way as you do now, but uh, I don't find it as enjoyable now. Like and I, I try exactly. to like, kind of recreate that. Like my wife is like, "Would you just pick something?" And I'm like, "I, I do miss the browsing. I miss like being with someone, uh, not even in a romantic sense. Like I'd be with like a few of my buddies, and it would part of it would be like an avenue to argue about who had better taste. Like who would submit." to someone else's point of view on what movie right. you probably weren't even going to pay that much attention to. <laughs> You're just going to go to someone's house and hang out. And I mean, obviously I'm doing a form of that. You and I are like switching off movies to force the other one to watch. I'm trying to recapture that in some way, but it's not the same. I'm just going it's through not. boxes as it was to physically be there in that space. And like, I, I don't know why it's certainly more convenient now, but it's just more annoying than it was. There's then. something about that. And I, and I think that the movie, on one respect, I will give it the movie a little bit of praise. That it, it does, it hangs its hat on that. I mean, it's got terrible characters and terrible people doing dumb things and all this stuff. But there is a thing about that movie and that physical space. The same thing with music. I was always bigger into movies than I was into music. Yeah, same. But I did have that experience of going to the record store and... I remember they used to have the headphones that you could like listen to a sample of the song that they had selected or whatever it was, and it got really fancy towards the end of the record store where you could actually pick like out of fifty different albums. It used to be just like the one album they were trying to sell you. Um, Did you ever have that moment with a uh, French girl while you were in Europe? No, Dang. no, Movies I could never bullshit. afford to go to. <laughs> I could never go, afford to go to Europe, so <laughs> there was that. Uh, I just got back from Europe, and I'm glad. I didn't have that moment with a French girl in Europe at a young age because Europe sucks. They don't put ice and they don't have AC, man. Come on. Yeah, trying to get those numbers up, trying to go international, throw it up on Spotify. This is, you know, this is the thanks I get. So I wanted to do like sort of a piggyback off of these time capsules. And, and you know, Clueless obviously is is very, very 90s. But I'm trying to hone in on Michael Dennison. This is going to be more of like an interview type of show. Oh, I like this. Okay. And I've got like a a few. I made a few selections. Okay. Right. And I'm trying to figure out where does Michael Dennison hang his hat on the 90s? Like say, Hmm. okay, these are the 90s. Right. Okay. So I'm going to start with I'm going to start with another one. Uh, Independence Day. This is very 90s. So is this just like a, a, a binary, like yes or no? This is like No, 90s. I mean, just I, just like, hey, I'm going to throw it out there. And, I, and I'll tell you why I think it's very 90s. This is a very different style of movie making. Like, it's very hard now to, to get like the 
almost new idea thing where now we're in the era of the existing property hmm. and here you're creating stars in the action flick. I think the last time somebody tried to do this was like John Carter on Mars. It didn't quite work out. No. With Taylor um, Kitchen, who keeps getting chances, by the way. Well, you know, White is right. It's all good. I got you, brother. <laughs> but, you know, this was the, the creation. Is this the, our election day episode? <laughs> What's going I on think here? So. <laughs> Michael Denniston, proud boy that he is. Um, uh, Independence Day. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. It's um, It feels like one of those uh, roadmaps of uh, special effects, CGI yes. in particular. Like the, you, it, I don't know if the, it, the movie is iconic and i i'm gonna say it's not quite slipped into avatar territory where it's mostly forgotten except for like oh yeah the blue cats um but people might not remember the particulars of independence day but they would at least remember the white house blowing up and probably the speech from the, the president. speech those yeah. two things i think are iconic cinema moments and certainly very 90s uh and yeah. when they attempted to bring it back decades later oh man didn't take probably one of the worst movies i've ever seen in a theater like easily, I, I think it's pretty close. Cause I was slack jawed about how bad that was. How about Reality Bites? Uh, I mean, you talk about Clueless not being able to take place in the other decade. Reality Bites had to had to be you know early right mid nineties. Yeah. Um, and I, I I put Reality Bites side by side with like singles. You know, like a very I almost would say, road rules sort of thing. <laughs> I, I'm a, hu- a big fan of singles. I love singles. I love Cameron Crowe. Um, I mentioned it on one of our episodes. I can't remember what movie we were talking about, but I made myself, didn't make myself, but use it as an excuse to rewatch singles recently. Um, but I would say it's it's probably closer to Reality Bites than it is Clueless. Like, Clueless is very 90s, but like first off, it was a big hit. But it's also, I think, remained... Uh, as a watch in some way. Like, I, I don't think that people necessarily had to live through the 90s to appreciate it. Reality Bites, you may have to have some sort of memories of that time period. I don't know if there's a new generation of people that are that enthused by the plight of Winona Ryder. Like, do you think the fans of Stranger Things were like, oh, Reality Bites now? I'm going to like that. I don't. Yeah. I don't think I, so. I, well, the reality bites didn't really ha- catch its audience until much later. I feels that's know, a it, question for you then. Like, cause I had this discussion with uh, Chris Maynard, uh, that I do projecting film with. And I don't, I think I don't remember if we did doing this off mic. Um, but we both share a, a hatred for empire records and we both have a distrust <laughs> of people who say that they like it in the sense that mm. I, I mm. I'm, I'm wondering like when that developed because I remember when it came out, critics hated it. Uh, I don't even think it did any numbers at the box office. I don't think it got a wide release. Um, and I, I just wonder how it became like considered some sort of like cult hit or it's like something people are like, no, no, I've secretly, this is one of my favorite movies of the last 20 years. Uh, is it the Liv Tyler thing? Is it that, you know, like Liv Tyler was in that like, a blip though as far as you know that <laughs> that's well, she was like, like and, and it was extremely extremely and hot not just the physical hot but like extremely you know she had that that run of aerosmith and uh armageddon, and Lord armageddon of the Rings. and all this stuff right in the same package where she it seemed like she was everywhere i mean she was massive at the I, time i really like you uh putting empire records out there in our clueless episode because Clueless and the character of Cher 
iconic. And Liv Tyler and Empire Records is some sort of discount bargain bin trash that was attempting wow (laughs) i don't know if it was attempting to be clueless but it's certainly attempting to like ape reality bites which really wasn't that good to begin with so then trying to to do that like let's let's get into the headspace of what like you know a a young 20 something thinks about love and life and the answer is who gives a fuck like we don't want to hear from these people because they have no life experiences that's the charm of clueless is we have someone who is uh, attempting to impact people who have more experience and, you know, probably more intelligence than she does. That's sort of the dynamic between her and her weird stepbrother slash love interest is that he's clearly yeah smarter that. than her. Well, I mean... But the film's I mean, not we, afraid to say that. They're not afraid to we, say that Cher's an airhead, but she's also right. a good person. And the fact that she is a good person, I think, empirically, is really what... What dri- I think drives that movie forward because what you're saying is correct. Her intentions are, are very sound. She's doing it for others. Where Liv Tyler, she wants to bang the famous guy. Is that her main thing? And, you know, and I had those him. issues with Penny Lane. Remember, I was like, <laughs> I was the teenager that said, "This person sucks. She is vile. Stay away, William." Un- unless you know, you know, her and the band aids want to. Oh yeah, the flower. I believe it's yeah, man. You know, we could shout back to a previous episode and talk about those Skinamax movies where, where you never know what could happen. You know, it's a party time. I often wonder how much we're punishing, you know, new listeners or podcasts we listen to that this has become one big, like, uh, like it's become like a season of Lost. <laughs> we're referencing yeah. things, other movies we've watched, things I think that I've watched, but we just talked about in this podcast. Or, or, or you start referencing movies on other podcasts that you say that I watch and hated and it never really happened. I, I can't keep. The continuity straight now. I, I we need super fans, people who love Marvel movies. We need them to love us, and then they can do all the research for me on what I said when and what the year. But Clueless is unchanged. I, I think in that regard, like it's just it has strangely a timeless call, quality that I would not have predicted in nineteen ninety five. I would not have said we'll be talking about this in two thousand twenty, and people will speak of it with reverence. Like I don't know, I don't often see anyone that just like Clueless is trash, Clueless haters. I, I just don't see it. I don't, I don't think that people have fallen out of uh, love with this movie. Hmm. Yeah, no, it, 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 people hold it up in high regard. Um, I got another one for you, Mike. You ready? Oh, okay. Men in Black. I talked about it a little bit previously, you know, when we were talking about showing the kids and stuff like that. But Men in Black, I, we, I showed it to my children during family movie night, and I was stunned at how much of a 90s movie this is. Like, Will Smith has these like big orange pants on and this big white puffy shirt on. And it's this music and this crazy, and there's Linda Florentino on there. Like, oh, is it too late to say that? uh, I guess I, and maybe I think some other people were probably wrong about CGI in the nineties. Cause I I remember then, and you often hear it. Like, uh, I see that, like this charge, um, it's sort of lopped against the prequels that's like there was too much to where it's like it, it loses the timeless quality that the the original trilogy has in star wars um even though in the late 90s and the early 2000s it looked better it was still in the early stages really right. so now it hasn't aged as well as puppets from the 70s and early 80s but men in black for your question it actually works better that at the time it was on the cutting edge 
of CGI, but now it looks kind of quaint, and it helps as a comedy too, so you don't have to take anything too seriously. Yeah, no, that's right. And yeah. the other piece of evidence to, uh, I guess, labeled as pure 90s is that they've attempted to bring it into the next century, and no matter what sequel they throw out, nope. Will Smith or not, it just doesn't take. No one, it's like, I, I think maybe two and three, there are some levels of financial success or not. I think, well, I three, I think, is an excellent movie. I think three was really good. Is that good. the uh, time travel one with uh, right. Thanos? Right, that's where... Yeah, Thanos is his is the young uh, Tommy Lee Jones, and it has a really nice ending, and it's it's really good. Um, the two is the one you're thinking of because I literally I just watched them last week. Two is absolutely hideous. They just jumped the shark, and then they got off the shark for the third one. But you you, you got a very good point about like, the CGI. Like your kids, I I don't think the sequels. I think will be disregarded. I think they'll have no effect on it. When people talk about Men in Black, they probably are just talking about the singular. 19 what 97 movie and it doesn't matter what they did with the rest of the franchise it, you know it's a it's a good uh, uh case study in the fact that uh, no matter how bad or good the sequels are they're not going to taint the uh, the popularity of the original one yeah that's one of those things that always drove me crazy is uh is you know sequels ruining the experience or remakes ruining the experience of the first one no it didn't like the, the the shitty Ghostbusters one, you still have the good Ghostbusters from '84 or whatever it is. We've we've Go lived that with on. Godfather three for decades at this point. And no, we're still good. It has yeah. not lowered the bar for you know Godfather one and two. They're still top tier. Just don't try putting Tessa Thompson in there, man, because she'll mess that up. Tessa Thompson is no uh, no comedy genius. <laughs> <laughs> that movie was bad. Jimmy <laughs> Black International. Did you see that thing? Uh, yeah, I saw it because I, I think off mic, I, maybe you did leave it in as a bonus section of episode when I was going over my, uh, uh, I'll just call it the 10, the 10 list that I make sure to update on my 10 favorite mm. movies for the year. Yes. Uh, Men in Black International caused Tessa Thompson to be dropped off the list. Such was the badness of her professional work that <laughs> <laughs> my superficial uh, 10 list, uh, it affected it. it. It did taint it. I remember you only having white people on your 10 list. Hmm, because of Men in Black International. Made me a racist. <laughs> That's what made you a racist. <laughs> All right, I got one more for you. And I, to me, I, 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 I'm on the fence of whether this will be a time capsule for you. Have you seen the movie Go? I think we've talked about this. I don't think we've ever done a podcast on it, but it's come up before. Go is awesome. Um, Let's start with that. Go is it's very good. Um I don't a like. Doug I watched it again as an adult, though. Um, I did do a podcast, or I had a conversation uh, with Chris Maynard on it, and I don't. I know you're making fun of me. I don't remember what <laughs> the podcast was, which one, um, <laughs> and I didn't think it aged as well because I have such great memories of watching it. Uh, actually, I'll tell you, my my experience watching it was pretty fucking dorky. Uh, I was as far removed from Sarah Polly and the fucking rave scene and going to Vegas with Tay Diggs. Uh, I watched it with all my buddies, uh, with presumably a like a cooler of Mountain Dew and a cold pizza from Pizza Hut. We had waited in line all day for episode one tickets at this theater, and our parents had dropped us off. And we'd sit outside, we'd walk to a pizza hut, we'd acquire drinks, and we end up getting through the line faster than we anticipated. So we didn't have a pickup, didn't have a car to leave, so we watched Go. And I thought that was a pretty cool way to watch that with all my buddies. Like, there was like eight of us, 
And we were the only ones that bought tickets to actually see a fucking movie that day. We're the only ones in the theater. Uh, they allowed us to take our cooler and our pizza in because they didn't give a shit because they were selling out Star Wars tickets for you know months in advance or whatever. Uh, I, that's like a cherished movie moment for me. So now when I watch it as an adult, it's like it's always you know a little bit watered down from that watching it as a sixteen year old. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I don't remember watching the movie ever in the theater. I know I saw it in the theater, but I don't. I don't have a like a big touchstone experience like that. But I remember watching that movie and legitimately being blown away by it. Because I, I, at the time, this is so now, I think it came out in 99. And this is like right into that techno-y sort of ravey scene. And living in Florida, living kind of in the South Beach area, this was all the rage. You know, this, like this, this music and partying and all this stuff. And I was like, man, for some reason, it's just, it kind of, I loved the movie. Like, I, I still do. I watched it not too long ago, and, and I think it really holds up. You know, the whole sequence with uh, the Confederated products, always, I just thinking that. about it. That's the stuff that's aged well for me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. We, you know, we ought to do, we ought to build an episode around it for Christmas. Because it's I'd an oddball to. Christmas movie. Yeah, you're right. Because, I mean... You know, the, like even like the inside of her car is like lit with those mm-hmm. lights and stuff yeah. like that. And, and the, 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 the you know, spoiler alert: the final line is, "What are we doing for New Year's?" So it's like you know, it's all about that that time period. Yeah, but exactly. it's one of those uh, low key. I'll I'll give credit to uh, the Nasty Hellcat from Sober Cinema because when we launched the podcast in December, it is a show based around anniversaries. We were doing a lot of Christmas fucking movies, uh, and we did an episode on like, okay, what's some other stuff that we you know you wouldn't think of? He he's a big proponent of Go. It's one of his favorite movies. So uh, we should get that guy to do a guest spot on here and see see how he takes to this format. He of- also is the only person I know in my friend circle that actually went to raves and went to this. He was into that music. Oh, now now it's on. <laughs> now he now he's got to be in this conversation with us because I want to know about uh, the nasty Hellcat with a little like a blow pop or a, or a, a pacifier in his hmm, mouth, carrying around the sticks. teddy bear. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. probably like with a mesh shirt on. What? Just the early beginnings of losing his hair too, maybe. But you know it what I mean? was already fully growing in the back though, poking out. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. He probably kind of looks like Fredo from uh, Godfather Two. <laughs> Yeah, you used a, uh, was it one of those, like, Russian, like, uh, or Chinese, like, you know, yeah. stealing my, you, you posted my image on this app and had me as Fredo, uh, did not appreciate. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, mean, I just, the thought of how good that thing worked and the perfect timing of it, it's just, it's kind of one of the highlights of my texting life. And, you know, I'm an old man, so I don't understand these texting things and memes and stuff. That's what I was hoping uh, when Jared told me that he turned you on to this, that you just wouldn't be able to figure it out. But uh, sadly, you your desire to troll me <laughs> outmatched <laughs> Skynet there. <laughs> yep, I was in there. Uh, I, I, you know what? The, you know, normally the way we do our podcast is we, like, sort of stage our, our next one and all that stuff. But we're, here, I think we should stage well in advance because we're, we're, right, we're recording in early October. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we should... Look to December. Nasty Hellcat meets Marcus Played meets Go. I think I think he'll do that. You think he'll do it? I mean, he always likes when it's a movie he's seen so that he can perhaps skip watching it again and just <laughs> lay I don't in know bed. If he's gonna like the battering and bruising he's gonna take because it's gonna be like an almost like an interview. Like, okay, Hellcat, after your third hit of ecstasy. I do know there there's you know, there's suspicions in my mind that he has held um, 
those dark secrets. He's told me some things about the, you know, his rave days, his rave scene. And he's always told me it's just really boring. And it's nothing like the movies. Uh, but I have a sneaking suspicion that he's been lying to me for decades. About oh, he has to have been because f- that looks pretty, pretty spot on to what I saw. <laughs> I've, I've, I had a couple of things there, but I'm, I'm holding. <laughs> You're saving it for the go <laughs> episode. Those, huh? those bullets in the chamber. Yeah. So, you know, check back and for the Christmas episode, uh, and we'll do something presumably very racist for Thanksgiving. Is that what we're supposed to do? 1492. <laughs> I mean, we could go with what, uh, what is the, was it the new world or whatever where Colin Farrell gets down with a 13 year old? You know, we had this cuckold thing going for a while as a through line. You're starting to establish a uh, pedo bear through line now, you know, with the whole Michael Douglas and his daughter, you know, mm. selling her, her ass from, for drugs. And now this, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're teetering on, uh, We'll we'll fix it. Not not in post because this is our brand, but we'll we'll move into uh confederated products in the new year. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> we'll move one into the, mid level marketing. One of the greatest scenes uh ever. <laughs> I've forgotten what movie we were even talking about. Clueless? <laughs> Clueless. <laughs> Welcome to Marcus Play. <laughs> what are we doing next time, Mike? Uh well, give me a second to wake up my iPad as I, you know. Uh, talked about raves that I didn't attend uh, and got really enthusiastic there about presumably all the uh, the uh, the same sex experiences that my buddy Jared had for the you know maybe the first uh, time that'll be riveting right Hiro? I can't wait I can't wait man because oh good so on that uh, note um, speaking of same sex attraction <laughs> is that true? I actually don't know if I've got it I don't know if I've got enough uh, gay material in this I've got Brittany Murphy again. I've got Sin City. Okay. How's that? I, I, I don't Fair enough. I, I, I have to admit, dear listeners, I did already watch this. Um, and now I'm racking my brain. Is there any same sex material? I don't I don't think so. There's some good Carla Gugino material. She is a lovely lesbian that uh, Marv, uh, Mickey Rourke mm-hmm. says, is just going to waste. And I agree. <laughs> I second the motion. <laughs> Tune in next week. <laughs> where we... <laughs> Dirty where, where old we, men. That's what it is. <laughs> where we hate on lesbians. That's mine. That's mine. It's all mine. 